Hi everyone, this is an honours-based interview with the Espresso series on freshair.org.uk. Thank you so much for coming back this week. We are so excited to be interviewing a friend of mine and a co-worker, Ellis Tustin, on his new programme and new protest, Names Not Numbers. Ellis, we are so excited to have you on the show this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and a bit more about the protests, Names Not Numbers? Yes, yeah, so my name is Ellis Tustin. I'm from Worcestershire. I'm 25 years old. And um, Names Not Numbers is a group that has come around quite spontaneously. Um, it started as a solo protest of myself outside of Parliament, and it is growing. And we call for the accountability of the government uh, due to the lives of people lost to COVID-19, um, and that is negligence and their lack of action during this crisis. So further, what would you like to sort of say to our listeners about how this came to be? Because you actually have a really lovely story which you told uh, to James O'Brien on LBC fairly recently. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, um, well, it all started, actually. Um, I went down to Parliament with a sign, uh, literally just saying my granddad's name, Beris Moore, with his lifespan dates on there. And I went down there to show Boris, as he went into Parliament, his name. I wanted Boris to see someone's name that he'd let down, because all we've been seeing, whenever you go onto the, you know, the daily briefing, is numbers. You know, 111 today, 630 today, 220 today. I wanted Boris to see a name of somebody that he has let down, almost directly because of his own policies. So Names Not Numbers came about because your grandfather was killed by COVID-19. Now, obviously, Britain was known to shut its borders a lot later than every other European country. And you would like to see a public inquiry into the government and specifically Boris Johnson over those who have been forgotten and simply turned into statistics. Yeah, I think a public inquiry um, is, you know, it's just absolutely essential um, I think an independent way of doing it would be much better. I mean, look, truth be told, I want to see Boris in jail. Um, I want to see anybody that has had any link to um, the negligence and lack of action. You know, for example, if, if you look at how this has turned about, so Italy, you know, early on in the, the year we were watching Italy and we were saying, oh, we'll never get like that here. We're an island, so I can't imagine things like that happening here. Essentially, we watched a house three doors down set on fire and Boris put the kettle on. <laughs> That's essentially what we did, right? And there's been absolutely no apology to it. And when you get people like Dominic Cummings who go on a jolly to test their eyesight with their wife in the car, and I have had to miss my own granddad's funeral, and everybody, and so many other people in this country have gone through that circumstance as well, how can you not demand justice out of these people? And I know there's loads of people who support, who support the Conservatives who are still blindly going alongside them. Well, that's absolute insanity. I voted him in. So I voted Boris in, right? And I can tell you that so many people that have voted him in have just been completely trashed by them. Um, so I want to see him in jail and I want to see absolutely anybody along that trail that urged him not to close borders um, to go down with him. I think that's absolutely fair. I can completely see where you're coming across. The government's failed us in a number of different ways. Uh, specifically, it's now looking as though we are, you know, going towards a second wave because of their negligence and them opening up lockdown far too soon. I, I want to talk a little bit about your protests in relation to this and how 
you have decided to run your protest. So could you tell us a little bit about how Names Not Numbers is operating at the moment? Because obviously it just started with you six weeks ago when you were allowed to go and sit on your own in a park. How has it escalated over the last six weeks? Well, yeah, that was actually, um, that was quite ironic of the government. The day that they said, you know, we're going to allow you all to go and sit in parks tomorrow, um, I decided to go and stand outside their office and tell them how shoddy they are at their jobs. Um, and um, yeah, so the way it's grown is it was just me for a fair f couple of weeks. And as they've started to relax lockdown, um, more people have joined, no more than six people. I'm quite strict on that. Um, everyone who comes to mind wears PPE, everybody that, um, you know, uh, comes to our protest has to be stood a certain distance apart. Um, because at the end of the day, these aren't just protests. And most people who have got signs are holding names of people who have died with complete respect and permission of family members of that, you know, those families. So we're, we're not just protesting, we're giving funerals. We're having funerals outside of parliament because if Boris thinks it's okay for me to miss my granddad's funeral, I'm taking it to him. And we're taking so many more names to him. And when lockdown, you know, is eased up and, um, you know, ends, um, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we'll be there to, to show him. That's, that's what we're going to do. I think this is a really interesting idea of the idea of holding funerals outside Parliament because this is what they are. We have missed the people's we love loves funerals because of lockdown and due to his negligence of closing borders in time, it is meant that we are suffering the consequences and he deserves to put those names, as you said, statistics after st statistics. What human rights lawyers would you call on now? Yeah, I mean, would you call on James Eady now? I mean, considering that, like, he has, you know, taken to task many governments before him in his time, or would you call on someone like Gina Miller? Or who would you call on at this time? Um, I think that uh, any uh, human rights lawyer who, you know, wants to really make an impact on something so important, so, you know, uh, like James Eady and Gina Miller, um, you know, it's time to, this really is time to stand up and do something. Of course, we're, you know, we're just, you know, the grassroots, so we're out there doing what we can. Um, but if you have got that kind of institutional ability to uh, pull out and say, you know, pull out, pull out the guns and say, look, you know, we're going to take you down um, and this is how we're going to do it. Do it. Please do it, because there's a growing number of people in this country who can't fight for themselves anymore because they are dead. You know, that's, that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. They're dead. Um, so you've got to stand up for them. Simple as that. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about your childhood and your grandpa, because he sounds like such an amazing figure. So could you give us like a little bit of background and insight into your childhood? I mean, I know you have to go way, way back into the past for this, but you know, it'll be good to see. Yeah. The cheek of it, the cheek. The cheek of it, right, well. Um, so, uh, you know, pretty normal childhood. Um, uh, my grandfather grew up, well, over the road from me. So my granddad grew up on the same street that I did. Um, so he literally could give me a story about, I remember when I was younger, this happened here. He actually had a fight when he was 14 with the kid that used to live in my house back in the 40s. So, you know, that that's pretty good like history from him. But he was just like an insanely funny bloke. 
Um, like, you know, I, I said to you the other day, you, you, could, you could stick a doily on his head and tell him that he was the mother superior at a local nunnery and he would just sit and pretend to do it for 15 minutes. Um, he would come into the room pretending to be a motorbike. The man was just really funny who loved his grandchildren. You know, like so many other people's grandparents out there. Um, but, you know, this is, this is the thing. Um, he, he deserves better, actually. I think that's what, what you have to really get down to. He deserved better, and his best friend, uh, John Nightingale, he died the next day of COVID-19. There's a, a bit of um, poetic irony, I think, in the fact that neither knew the other person had died of it, um, which is, you know, really sad. But you know, at the end, he, des he deserved better. And every, every, everybody of, of age, you know, of any age, deserves to, you know, deserves to to die in the knowledge that their government did everything they could so that they didn't die and then post that for that their families are able to grieve correctly and if we'd have been looked after better then that would be happening but um you know truth be told i i haven't i haven't been able to grieve at all um there's been absolutely no grieving process for me um and uh, you know i'm not i'm not gonna boo-hoo about it in the slightest um, because I know thousands of other people are in the exact same situation, but it's what we do with that that's important. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ellis as well, I'd like to point out, how we met Ellis was quite interesting, is we both work at a food bank. So during this time, not only has you know Ellis been dealing with the tragic loss of his grandfather, he's also been working for the Smile Brigade uh, down in Hammersmith and Fulham to help deliver out food for those who are too vulnerable to leave their house. So not only, Ellis, is your setting an example by starting a protest and calling on the government to answer for its crimes, but you are also here every day helping those who can't help themselves. So I think, like, one of the things we like to do on this show is sort of congratulate people who are really making a difference. And it, this isn't really a self-congratulating kind of moment, but I would like to say, like, it's incredible to work with someone like you who's not only protesting but also grieving but also helping its community. Is there anything that you'd like to say to people what they could do to support you right now? Because obviously you've received quite a lot of media coverage. Um, well, we've, we've, been on, um, all, we've been on all kinds of uh, different platforms. So we've, uh, we've been in The Telegraph, we've been in The Guardian, we've been on Wales Today, we've featured in LBC a couple of times. Um, so, you know, people can't come and protest with us. Um, and this has gone from being probably the most elaborate grieving process of all time. And it's turned into a legitimate group. You know, we've got uh, hundreds of members online. We've got people who regularly come down now and stand with me with other names and other messages to do with the group. Um, and until that day that lockdown eases and you can come down and stand with us, put a sign in your window. Put a sign in your window. How about a Facebook post? How about an Instagram post with your tagging? Yeah, anything like that. Put a sign in the window, names not numbers, or the name of someone who has died that you know, and get it out there. Get you know, it's, there is no uh, there is no problem in people knowing that you've uh, lost someone or are struggling with this because people need to know the actual effect of what this is having on people. Um, I think that if if more people are just open and honest and you know the government would like us to be really British about it and you know react as if someone's just been knocked down in a spitfire in 41 and go oh they bought it you know oh let's you know let's grieve silently well no actually because it's your fault 
you know it's it, if if you hadn't have done that essentially if you hadn't have sacrificed our granddad's generation to keep the economy open for 0.5 more hours then this wouldn't be happening that's what it actually all falls down to it falls down to the economics of everything i agree with you the government looked at it you know to balance its books over people's lives so would you like to this is obviously a question but would you like to see people you know names not numbers trending would you like to see it hashtagged with the names of those who have died so that you know every time you open your feed you see those who were murdered by our government good word murdered um yeah i, w I would say that you know is is complete negligence and lack of action in the knowledge people are going to die murder probably yes so i agree with the word you just said there um yeah i, th I think that you know there's no other easier way of saying it than um, it's about names and not numbers if you if you want to um dehumanize someone you give them a number it's what we do when people go to jail it's what we do when people start in the army it's what um you know people did when they go into concentration camps you give them a number and it takes away their name and if you take away someone's name you eradicate their culture you eradicate their story and you eradicate the concept of people being able to care for people who you like who are you likely to care more about you know are you gonna care more about beris more are you gonna care more about number 146 that's how it works and I think he was number oh, 20,000 and something because I remember the day it was Easter Sunday and I wanted to remember what group of numbers he was in but that's the thing he was in that group of numbers and so the next day was his best friend and so is so many other people who are listening to this know loads of other people who have ended up as numbers so you've got to make sure that you push it out there that they were names and they are not numbers well, thank you very much, Ellis, for this interview. I really enjoyed this interview. I know it's it's a tough conversation to have and it's one that we need to start talking about immediately. We need to hold this government accountable and not forget you know, the names of those who were killed by our government. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Any final words for our listeners? Um, yeah, final words. Um, uh, if anybody out there thinks that this has just been the words of some, you know, rambling anarchist. It hasn't. Um, he voted conservative in the last election. It's really not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've also seen, I'd like to say as well, I've, there's been a lot of other protests in this country. And of course, it's a very exciting time uh, in terms of what is going on in civil rights and things like that. And if anyone does want to go out there and protest for whatever reason it is, for God's sake, please do it safely and carefully. Um, please do not be like those people that on Channel 4 shook hands, no matter what the cause was. Shaking hands and hugging people in the street in a time like this is not only dangerous to yourself, but it is a bit of a, a smack in the face to the NHS who are trying to keep people like your granddad's generation alive. So if you're going to protest, please do it properly and look after yourselves. And then just remember that, you know, you can hold on to whatever emotions you've got and when this is all over you go out there en masse and do it but until then do it safely all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode with ellis tustin this has been on a cream for the espresso series until next time stay caffeinated and stay safe